Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Reverend Bruce Bo. I thought I'd be anticipating Valentine's Day, so I put on my uh, Valentine's Day tie. But unless I really miss my guesses, that's not where your hearts are here. You are probably very focused on a text, Isaiah 40, 31, is my guess. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's probably where your minds and hearts really are. Um, I thought to myself, gee, we should do something with that. Maybe we should sing that old gospel hymn, uh, Fly, Eagles, Fly. You don't know how hard that is for me. (laughs) You know, I come from the little hamlet of Pittsburgh in upstate New York, and uh, what you probably don't know is that Pittsburgh is the home of the training camp for the Buffalo Bills. And so we thank you for praying for DeMar, because the whole nation did that. And um, Little Pittsburgh will also um, have a big celebration later in May, which you can come up. It's going to be the 2023 PGA tournament will be held there. I'm going to stick to my tie. 1 John 4. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, Since God has loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. 
And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God. They abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. My thoughts are with Valentine's Day coming up this week. Actually, I'm glad to know that you're going to have an Ash Wednesday service. One of my favorite days occurs the day before Ash Wednesday, Fat Tuesday. Because on Fat Tuesday, I get to eat from the four basic food groups, sugar, fat, cholesterol, and preservatives. (laughs) And then we get into Ash Wednesday. One day, Jim asked his friend Tony, he says, uh, well, he bought his wife something for Valentine's Day, and he said, um, yeah, I bought her something really nice this year. I went to Talbot, and then I didn't find quite what I wanted there, so I went out and I bought a belt and a bag. Well, Jim was impressed. Well, how thoughtful, Tony. Um, I'm sure that's something that Susan's going to appreciate. It's a brilliant idea, and you didn't really have to focus a whole lot with those on her sizes. Precisely, he said. And with the replacement parts, the vacuum's going to work so much better. (laughs) Commercially, we're prepared to participate and anticipate in Valentine's Day. Red hearts decorate stores and buildings, party wear is everywhere. They have those Mylar balloon bouquets being dragged all over town. And uh, hospital nurses' stations have those cardboard cupids dangling from the metal struts in the ceiling. If you haven't gotten your beloved a valentine, you've got a little time. I saw some at Rite Aid and Hallmark. When we begin to think of love, our thoughts are more amorous, that doesn't really sound like this text. We have confused the nature of love, particularly in our relationships in our homes. And husbands and wives have confused the difference between love and infatuation. I clipped something out many years ago that explained the difference to me. You'll know soon how long ago this was. It is infatuation when you think your husband is as sexy as Henry Winkler, as smart as Henry Kissinger, as noble as Ralph Nader, as funny as Woody Allen, and as athletic as Jimmy Connors. It is love when you realize that your husband is as sexy as Woody Allen, as smart as Jimmy Connors, 
as funny as Ralph Nader, as athletic as Henry Kissinger, and not at all like Henry Winkler. <laughs> Have you ever thought of the frequency of the word heart in the Bible? You know, it shows up 166 times just in the New Testament. We have those words like Psalm 51, create in me a new heart, O God. Or Ezekiel, I, a new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove from you your heart of stone and give to you a heart of flesh. We need a text like that because we seem to be living in a time of very vain self-interest. So we look forward to Valentine's Day to focus. Third grade teacher came into a room one Valentine's Day and she found a handmade card with the message, all the third grade loves you, Miss Smith. This touched her deeply until the next morning when she found a note with a corrected tally on her desk. It read, all the third grade loves you, Miss Smith, all but two. <laughs> there is no way anyone who works with people can please everyone all of the time. But when we get to Valentine's Day where thoughts are real with, with, with the more amorous things. Um, I graduated from high school in Norway, so I learned a lot of stories about Ole and Lena. Let me translate this one for you. Ole? Yes, Lena. Nice to have you in the bed. You remember how long ago you used to rob and massage my back? <laughs> yes, I do. Would you mind giving me a little massage? Well, I suppose I could do that. But it's hard to feel everything underneath this flannel. Oh, that feels nice, Ole. Ole, could you snuggle a little closer like you used to do? <laughs> well, I suppose I could do that. But I got to be careful. You know, snuggling could lead to dancing, and you know what that leads to. That feels nice, Ole. Ole, would you please nibble on my ear? And with that, Ole sprang out of bed. Ole, I hope I didn't frighten you. Anything the matter? No, just if I'm going to nibble on your ear, I need to go get my teeth. <laughs> Those are the visions of love that we tend to have. Very different. And we don't think that they really occur in Scripture. One year, I had a woman who gave to me a copy of the Bible to which she had taken an exacto knife. She had cut out of the biblical text all of those portions that she felt God really didn't want in there. So almost entirely was gone the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon has some very, very racy stuff. And if you talk to some very old rabbis, they will tell you that the Song of Songs is the Holy of Holies of Scripture. 
I never would have thought so. I read some. How beautiful you are, my love. How beautiful. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats moving down the slopes of Gilead. I thought I might try that with my wife, Martha, suggesting that her hair looks like a flock of goats moving down the slopes of Gilead. It probably won't get me very far. You can imagine the next couple of verses. Oh, your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes that come up from the washing, all of which bear twins. Not one of them is bereaved. What he's really trying to say is, I love you, dear. Your teeth are really pretty white, and you have all of them. You don't look like a jack-o'-lantern. I don't know about you, but as a kid, I learned those memory verses that were easy to recall. John 3.16 and that short verse, Jesus wept. But I also had a brief part of 1 John 4, the 8th verse, the beginning. God is love. Theologians tend to get hung up on the definition of God by explaining God as the Almighty to be a force or power or righteousness. Some have attempted to articulate their understanding of God with phrases like, God is the ground of all being. Some scientists explain God by a formula of understanding of energy. Yet John has shown the love of God by that simple word. I don't know how much you know about St. Valentine. Uh, There are a few stories about him. And uh, so I did a little research. Um, You know, the Pope had Valentine dropped from the calendar of saints in 1969. Valentine's Day is actually the celebration of a beheading. Valentius for whom the day was named, performed valiant service in assisting Christian martyrs during the resurrection of Jesus as was celebrated by, by Christians. Emperor Claudius II in Rome wanted Christians snuffed out. And giving aid and comfort to Christians at that time was considered to be a crime. So guess who was charged with the crime? Valentius. Legend has it that the priest was visited with the power of the Holy Spirit while waiting execution, and he formed a friendship with the blind daughter of his jailer, and that he would send notes to her from your valentine. He sent one on the eve of his death. The Flaminian Gate, 
where he was executed was named Porta Valenti. He was buried by the church, which now is on the street of Prexides. And if you ever visit it, you will find a pink olive tree, an almond tree that blossoms by the grave of Valentius. He had captured the full dimensions of love and was executed on the 14th of February. That's why the day is hallowed. At the turn of the century, the U.S. Postal Department followed an unusual practice. Many times, a love would be scorned during the course of the year, and Valentine's Day was a day of revenge. He or she could send a cruel valentine. Cruel valentines were sent in envelopes which were not sealed but had the flaps tucked inside. No postage was then paid by the sender and the recipient of such a card was expected to pay for the postage. How shall we receive God's valentine? We live in a culture where we shuffle along in believing that as long as we're hard as nails, the world will work well. God is eager to give us a transplant and a heart of flesh. God wills us to have it. His real name was William, but his mom and the other kids called him Billy. He was in the third grade, and Billy was very different. He wasn't gifted. He didn't have athletic or, or particularly intellectual ability. He struggled in school. They put him in a reading group as if he wasn't to know what it meant if you were sent to the reading group known as the Turtles. His mother was a single parent. She tried to be both a mom and a dad to Billy. She was sensitive to him. She ached inside when she would watch him walk to the bus stop alone. The other children, they ignored him or belittled him. It was just easier to be alone when you're treated like that. They didn't have extra money, no designer clothes. Other kids bark commands at Billy. As Valentine's Day drew, excitement began to run high. All the kids brought shoe boxes to school to decorate. Into the boxes would be placed Valentines for fellow classmates, and they would receive them from classmates. Billy decorated his as best as he could. And then for about two weeks after school, he would go to the kitchen table, and he would cut out hearts from red and white construction paper. And Billy made Valentines for each classmate. He made envelopes out of lined yellow notebook paper. When each valentine was completed, he checked off the names on a list that he had made. And he was really pleased with the big one he made for Miss Sherman. 
teacher. On Valentine's Day, Billy packed his book bag. He put into it his Valentine's. And his mom, well, her heart ached as she walked him, watched him walk alone to the bus stop. Could be a hard day. She was fully aware what was happening. She wanted to be ready for Billy when he came home with disappointment. She spent part of that afternoon baking his favorite chocolate chip cookies. And about 20 minutes before the bus came to a stop at the end of their lane, she made hot chocolate too. And she watched out the kitchen window. Billy got off the bus. Several of the kids threw snowballs at him. He walked home behind them. And then he ran up the stairs to the porch and he shouted, Mom, I'm home. I'm in the kitchen, honey. There's some chocolate chip cookies for you. He kissed her. He walked past the plate of cookies, muttering, Not a one. Not a one. She walked into the hall. She looked at the shoebox Billy had decorated and then picked it up and removed the lid. It was empty. Mom, he said, I did it. I didn't miss a one. I got a valentine and gave a valentine to every person in my class. What would happen to us, to this church, if God would remove our hearts of stone and replace them with new hearts of flesh. I know he's done it already in quite a few. But there still needs to be more surgery. Too many hearts of stone in the world. Too much technologizing. Too much demystifying of the heart so as to render its power useless. We need those verses from Hebrews. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Let us pray. Gracious Jesus, the day is approaching is almost here in our culture in which red hearts and overpriced hearts and chocolates and cut flowers will abound. For some, it's a day of incredible kindness and sweetness and gratitude. And for others, it's a day in which brokenness 
and loneliness and emptiness are magnified. For all of us, it should be a day in which our longings for intimacy and a deep connection over being valued find their way home to you. Lord, make us each to be instruments of your love. When we are tempted to become impatient, help us to be patient. When we are tempted to be unkind, help us to be kind. When we are tempted to be jealous, help us to be tolerant. When we are tempted to become boastful or proud, help us to give you the glory and be grateful that we're blessed. When we're tempted to be rude or selfish, give to us the gift of gentleness. When we are tempted to take offense, help us let go. When we're tempted to become angry, give to us the gift of forgiveness. When we're tempted to become resentful, give to us the calming power to love. Lord, grant that we might not take pleasure in criticizing others, but might see good in them like you do. When we begin to concentrate on the faults and failures of others, give to us, Lord, the courage to praise their accomplishments. Help us to be loyal to those you give us to love. Help us to believe in them and help them, even when they doubt their own self-confidence. Today, O oh God, we find so many things to distract our desire to be disciples and to absorb our energy. Some of them will entertain us like the Super Bowl game. But even there we ask that players and others might be safe. Other of us, us will spend time with our families and the ones you've given us to embrace. But when we don't know quite how to prepare ourselves for tomorrow and need words to pray, remind us again how Jesus taught us when he said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.